I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. Hello, Travis. How you doing today, sir? Hi, Vince. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little tired, but, uh, I, uh, I still, still wanted to get in and get a show done, right? So, I'm Absolutely. here. Absolutely. I find you do your best work when you're really tired. Like, I need to get you basically to the point of sort of almost insanity. And then I Just think that's where we get our right? good content. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, today we randomly rolled, of course, as we, as we generate all of our topics, uh, we randomly rolled, what is the best thing a game designer can do to help new GMs? And this is kind of a, see, at first I thought this was going to be a really easy question, right? Uh-huh. Because yeah. this is something that we, we, we've dealt with again and again for years because it's been like high on our list of priorities when we were designing games, right? That's so correct. every all the projects that, that, that we've we've worked on together have had something something in them that has to do with this, right? This particular topic. Yes. Um not just GMs, but players too, but but in this specific instance, we're talking about GMs, so GMs. So I was like, this is gonna be easy. But really it's not it's not the easiest question to answer, right? I don't think it is. And and I think before we even answer the question, I think you've got to, we've got to say, why does this even matter? Right? Like, why should you as a game designer even care about helping new GMs? Um, because I think that is a valid question to question the assumption. And, and my answer would be very simple. Without GMs being properly trained and running at least acceptably average games, the entire thing falls apart right everybody wants to be a player but gms are the linchpin like i can find 10 players for a game tomorrow but i couldn't find you know but i might not be able to find one gm to run the game right yeah that's totally true it's it's much harder to find a gm uh, especially one who's willing to put the the effort in it takes to actually run a, a quality game um some people it comes more natural to than others but but for the most part it takes work right I mean, something you got to work at, something you got to both both practice and learn about outside of itself. Okay, so it's obviously really important because it's that linchpin. Like you have to have it to to have a successful game. Like you have to at least have that average GM, like a GM who can passably run a, a box adventure, right? Like just a, an adventure out of a book or whatever, and right. be able to get it done with enough competence that people. It's a coherent thing. Like people can understand what's happening. And and whatnot, and this is not taking into consideration all the the finer aspects of being a GM, such as such as you know, coming up with things on the fly and voicing a hundred different characters, and you know, filling out minutia for your for the place that's actually going to make sense and be important to your game, etc. Things like that, right? Right. All proper story structure, how to ma- how to make sure that the spotlight moves around. It, it's one of those things I think about where there's it's sort of a tiered thing, like like any skill that you learn, right? There's sort of the tiers of like, I can do this thing or I am amazing and understand the nuance of this thing. Right. And, and so to what you were getting at was why should a designer give a crap? Well, yeah, I mean, why should I as a designer give a crap? Isn't this the job of the, the person who wants to be a GM? Shouldn't they go out and just sure. learn? Well, of course they should. That, that I mean, that's that is on them. Although they may not, they may not even understand that they need to do that to start with, right? Yep. That might not even be in their head. It might just be, well, I just bought this new game and I want to play it with my friends, so let's do it, <laughs> right? They're, they don't even understand that they need to 
to to learn these things, um, especially for someone who's never even played in a game before. You know, this is talking about first time playing because there there are a lot of you know a lot of new players coming into the game with D and D next or D and D fifth edition, whatever it's called. I I'm never going to know what that game is called. It's okay. Um, and and those new players probably have friends that they want to play with them, and it's going to end up being a problem because they have never done it before, and it could end up being pretty bad unless 5th edition has some kind of nice intro for GMs, right? Which it does, and, and, that's, okay. it's, and it's, this has sort of been a move in a couple of games recently, but it's one of those things that's surprised me that it's really taken the industry like, the length of its entire history. So yeah, it's taken years. a really long time. Um, yeah, forty years. I mean, that's a, that's forever. Um, it is. It's it's two generations by as we count them of human beings right. for for the industry to learn that it needs to provide at least basic guidance. You know, just the, just the, the most minor of guidance to get these things done. Um, now, I would. I, I, so, so that's that. All of these reasons are why uh, a designer should keep it in mind when they're designing a game. But okay, so there, there is a, there is a but to all this. Yeah. Um, there usually is. It, right. If if you are designing a game that is not intended to be played by beginner players, I I do not think that you have to put as much emphasis on such um such guidance. Okay. So if you're building a specifically advanced sort of game, I'm not talking about advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's kind of funny that that's called advanced Dungeons and Dragons, even to me. Right. Um, it was called advanced Dungeons and Dragons in the first place. It just really wasn't that much advanced, right? It had had some more tables in it or whatever. Yes. Um, but but a, a a more advanced game and i and and by that way i would say you know something that's not a beginner's game like rifts or vampire um right like these are not games that that you go into lightly they probably weren't your first game that you ever played you walked into the store you picked that up off the shelf like people do that anymore right but yes i agree although <clears throat> excuse me what i'll say is that there's uh I think that you still have to have the GM-focused advice. It just elevates a level. Right. right. Yes. What you now, focus now you're on talking in the advanced about advanced game. training. The, yes. Yeah, the advanced training of, of the GM and, and the, the, the very specific things that both have to do with that game in particular and in general as, as a GM in uh, uh, running far, far more you know, not, not typical games, atypical yes. things, things that are, that are more convoluted and take much more thought and, and design themselves immersive complex engaging experiences i think part of the challenge here is that this needs to be thought of like art or any other really really difficult skill right like when you're that is to say i mean it's absolutely an art yeah yes and i think a lot of people view this as like whatever you just run a game and they don't really think about the fact that this is a highly complex difficult acquired skill learned over time to do it well. Right. I mean, look how bad Hollywood is doing at entertaining people for two hours at a time still to this day, right? <laughs> right. That's, yes. how, that's how bad they are doing at it. And you're expected to do it for longer than two hours, right? Yes. You're expected to, to entertain, a, a, entertain a small crowd for up to you know 12 to 24 hours for really hardcore gamers, right? Occasionally you, sure. you get those games that run extra long or marathon games or whatever. So it is an especially difficult art and a skill because it's it's just it's a a combination of both design and creativity that that takes just an elevated level of of knowledge and execution. Yeah, even with a short game, 
that is to say, you're, what I would guess to be the average game, game people play, yeah, three, four hours. That means you're banging out a double-length movie script every week, basically, right? right? Something of that that uh, that sort of complexity. All right, so I think we've justified why this is an important thing. So let, yeah. it, let us return to the actual question. Right. What's the best thing they can do to help? Okay, well, I can tell you the worst of the best things to start off with, just to get us going, right? I like it. Go for so it. So what I think, I think the... the um, the worst, the worst thing you could do as a designer would be, and, and while still being useful, is a list of textureless tips. Okay, so just, just, just very extremely basic tips, stuff you've learned by playing games uh, or whatever, and or stuff that you've learned in you know even playtesting phase of of your game design. So these are just things that would typically be directed purely and solely at whatever the setting of your game is or whatnot, you know, things yep. that are, that are highly, highly directed. Um, it's still really useful. Okay. So this is the, and, and, but I, to me, that's the least important thing, like the, the least important thing you could do. Can you give me an example? Um, okay. So for example, you would have, um, a, um, a, a list of tips like, um, know, know your character's strengths and weaknesses, Gotcha. And um, uh, make sure make sure that you have uh, note cards handy, you know, like the, like the, the <laughs> sure. very the very basic stuff. And I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this is bad things. I'm saying these are good things. I'm just saying these are the least. The, this is the least you can do. Right? You're pointing at the bare mins. Right. This right? is the, the the this is the bottom of what your book should should be doing, no matter what you do. Okay. Right. So basically, like. This would be things like make sure you have uh, NPCs that have motivation, right? Just right. Sort of NPCs like, should have motivations. Yes. Uh, extremely generic, non-specific. Hard, like hard right. for them this to is kind necessarily of make the connection of like, okay, I get that's good advice, but what does that mean? Where the rubber meets the road, right? Absolutely. So, for uh, the 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 best example I give would be Second Edition AD and D's DM guide. So, a lot of the stuff in there is uh, kind of kind of flies down that road. Yes, and I will say I think that what you're describing is is the sort of uh, pinnacle of the mountaintop for the vast majority of RPG game design history, right? Right. Yes. I mean. Uh, some games did it better than others, but most games just do that. That's that's yes. kind of what it comes down to. Most games just do that. Like you know, Shadowrun did it a little bit better, um, and like around around second or third edition, um, didn't do so good later on. But we'll get into that later. Um, sure. I think a lot of FASA games from this time period actually are like this. FASA was great, right? They they all did this thing. I, I love all the fast games, and there's going to be a couple times we come back and touch on these because of interesting choices they made throughout. Like we have a couple topics on here that would that would touch them. But one of the things Fasta did was in there in a lot of their books was specifically speak to the GM about how to run a game. But they were giving more or less these exact textureless tips you're talking about, right? Yes. They were yep. like, keep it high energy, be fun. Don't get caught up on a rules. If there's a question, just give it an answer or roll a dice or move on. You know, you make a call. Choose the thing that's fun. Like, these are all really good pieces of advice that should be Great followed bits of advice. to. Yes. They're just, as you said, they're, they're really not connected to strong examples, right? Right. To me, they're still textureless, and they're not <clears> – <throat> they're not as particularly uh, – 
they're not directed enough to right. to to get to to really make an impact on say a GM's first game, right? Yes. Yes. Now, let me turn to another thing that was very common, okay? And I want to get your opinion on it. And that is the what I'll call actual play sample. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. Let me have you cast your mind back, if we might, together. Let us go on a journey together, Travis. No problem. I already know where you're going. Like I'm already there. Like <laughs> I, I know exactly which one you're gonna, which one you're gonna bring up. So. Well, I am going to reference, of course, the second edition players. Handbook Boom. Second edition. That's twice now we talked about second edition. Okay. Yes. Well, it's so burned into my mind because I was. It really is. That was twelve years prime, old or right? whatever. So, right. And okay. The example, no, we're in like, our prime now. I guess. And the cleric. Yeah. And it was just them playing and describing what they're doing, right? Yeah. How useful is that sort of a thing to you? Do you think? Um, to to me, or, or or are you asking me in 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 the scope of the question? Putting on your game designer hat, how useful do you think that thing is to a new player? Um, I feel like it's 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 useful um, in particular to your first time players. So if your game is geared towards the gen- a, a more general audience, it's absolutely a wonderful thing to add to add to your book. Or if you can't even if you can't manage to fit it in your book, you can still like nowadays you can provide these things as separate out you can put it on a website or you can you can send it out as a PDF, you know, you can you can attach it to the PDF if you're selling your book as a PDF, which everybody's selling their book as a PDF now, right? Right. So if you have like spy, like like space problems due to due to due to you know limitations, then you can get a play sample like that to your target audience. You can you can figure out a way to do that, um, and I think it's I think it's really useful um, because you may not like the first time you pick up these games, you may not have any idea. You may think you may want to play it like like. I think we referenced Monopoly a, a, a episode or two ago. Um, like Monopoly, you know, you're like take your turn, roll your dice, move your piece next, right? Yes, I, I agree. I mean, I remember when I first when I first picked up uh, like a player's handbook, I and I was trying to figure out or an adventure or something, and I was like ten or eleven. I really didn't understand how this game was meant to be played. I thought, well, do you just go... I looked at a dungeon map or something, right? And I saw, like, a bunch of numbered rooms. And I was like, oh, you must... So, you, like, the way you play so this must you go from number be, to number. Right. You start in room number one, and you go to room number two, and you and that's what happens. Yeah. And so I think you're right. I think for the very new player, I would also say I think that the other big use of this is if you've got a game that plays in an unusual way... Right. Um, give me an example. Okay. So uh, let's say you're used to playing D&D your whole life, right? And then all of a sudden you go and you play Amber Diceless. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. Wherein it's very different as an experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that in that kind of a game, so you're way off book to sort of the traditional design elements we would expect. Um I think that those it, so I would say if you go either way, far left or far right of center, as it were, right? By that I mean extremely narrative or unusual in the way you resolve conflicts, or extremely crunchy in having like a lot of minutia and steps. Yeah, in lots of little mechanics. chunky, crunchy. Yeah, all of that um, absolutely needs further explanation. Um, and I, I would say that that's probably. Best handled like my in, in my best instance, like if, if I'm thinking of a book, right? 
Yes. And the the best possible way to handle such a crunchy system like that to me is first to provide that original sample of play and then to carry throughout the book samples of play with each rule set that that you introduce. Yes, um, agreed. So that the information is grouped properly, which is another big deal, right? Yes, contextualization. So, this is, so can I segue this? Yeah, please. Because I'd like to say, like, my one of the one of the big things that we've talked about before, and I'm, I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal some of your info here, uh, is the smart organization of information, right? Yes. So, so uh, it, this is your game, right? You're building a game. You're you're designing it. Then be 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 the intelligent designer. Okay. So collect information about the game into useful groups. Take the burden off the GM because all these new GMs they don't know they don't know exactly where things are, or where to look, or how to how to create an encounter. So when when they're designing and running their first adventures and stories in the game that you've made for them, they don't know what to put where or how to get things to different places or so forth. So so let me let me make this real. Okay. So for example, like. Okay. Um, what, what you need, you need to, you could possibly, instead of providing like this is a let, let's throw back to second edition again because this is our, our typical example right now. Third edition works too. Uh, fourth edition might as well. You 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 get a monster manual, right? Yep. And that monster manual is A to Z, right? Yep. It's A to Z. It doesn't get. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't give you any groups by where these monsters are from, what their ecologies are, things like that, what kind of fauna is around them, where, where they live, what, what they eat, things like that. So th this is just a completely just, – just, it's, like, it's like this slate that, that gives you no useful information outside of their stat blocks, okay? Right. Now, if you group them together instead – so in your so – let's, let's say you're designing a game and you, you instead decide to group your creatures and – all your ecological information together for easy reference. So, like a, a, a future setting full of like like dinosaurs and high technology, right? Yep. So, you, the the new GM is trying to figure out what's what what to populate the Northlands with the the frozen waste. So, he goes to that section, the the frozen waste, and guess what's there? All of the information he needs. He's got dinosaur stat blocks. Um, other prehistoric uh, creatures that populate the frozen Northlands. Um, what kind of plants and animals and life forms that your typical adventure might encounter, like what are like ice raptors and chillbots and Xmas trees that are carnivorous, irradiated conifers. Whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm loving this game, but and let me take it a step further. I would also want to see descriptions of the tribes that already live there. I would want to see the rules for avoiding frostbite and hypothermia if that was a thing in this game, Absolutely. Right? And so I've got the whole package to run an adventure in the frozen north, right? Exactly. Right and it's there. all right there at your fingertips. Like, yep. this, that kind of structure um, can still be in harmony with the A to Z alphabetical order numbered systems, okay? You just add a table with that stuff later on. You know exactly. what I mean? Simple and with, with page numbers. So it's really easy. It's just something that's so overlooked so often because people just want to take the take that easy way out and just dump all the information, um, which is no good. It, I mean, it just does not help. It's not useful to that new GM. Um, so... <clears throat> So, but but yeah, I mean, like it could it could extend past like creatures and ecologies in so many ways, right? Yes. Um, like if you have a cyberpunk game or something like that, like 
a future full of mega corporations, you group your technology by company brands, right? And, yes. and where those where those companies are and what company dominates what territory, and that's where you can get that stuff, right? Exactly. Their headquarters, how their building is, what kind of security do they have? Instead right? of instead of that really long multi-page list of just stuff. Exactly. You know, the other interesting thing about doing that is the other, I think, big challenge to new GMs, besides just learning the rules, because there's a couple different things to tackle here. And I don't think there's we've so much to tackle. There's, segmented there's them out. so many things, man. Yeah. Yeah. So one is mastery of the rules or, or if perhaps not mastery, uh, average understanding of the rules. Let's let's say that instead. Right. So that's number one. And so you have to be able to do that. And I think that you're right. Organization of information placing things in a reasonable way, having real concrete examples of people in the game experiencing these things, doing these things in the section where you're presenting the right. rules. Again, it's just organization. Yes, is good for that. But let me go to the other side of the coin to the new GM, okay? Yeah. Which is making a compelling story, right? Now, yes. one of the problems with new GMs often is that their ideas are too big too slipshot too all over the place right they just kind of run around like a chicken with their head cut off they're so excited about everything they're like we're gonna have some we're gonna have zeus come down in this game and then there's gonna be rocket ships and then blade's gonna show up like what you know what i mean it's just they, they're 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 trying to vomit every idea they've ever had into one game right so I think that right, and they're overwhelmed. They, you know, in either 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 case, they may be really excited about it, but they're still overwhelmed. They just may not know it. Right. Yes. Exactly. But I think organizing your your game in thematic chunks, if it's possible, like assuming you've got some kind of setting yes. attached to it, or, or or some way to logically break it up in the way we're describing, which I think a lot of games do, besides like very generic systems. Um, it's like creating a path. Yes, it gives them a more confined amount of information and directs their story thought right right because in that section you've got hooks maybe you've got a sample adventure maybe you've got some sample adventure encounters or or challenges or whatever it doesn't matter like i'm not necessarily just talking right. about fighting right i mean like an encounter could just be like you meet the weird old fortune teller that lives on the corner in the mega city right under the shadow mm -hmm. of the massive tower that's a cool encounter and all that stuff could be there, and it helps them pick and choose a couple different elements that are all thematically consistent and go without needing to cut that all from whole cloth. Right, and it actually removes a lot of that, a lot of that that flipping back and forth and researching things for the new GM, and allows him to instead put his efforts into getting better at actually GMing. Yes, agreed. And I think it's just as useful for the longtime GM too. So it's not like you're Absolutely. hurting your longtime yeah, yeah. GM. I would still need. I would still use that. You know what I mean? Like right. I'm comfortable with long lists and A to Z ordering of of random stuff. I'm okay with that because I've dealt with it forever, right? Um, right. But I would I would still appreciate that. Like it would be something that I would notice and say, "Wow, this works really well." Yes. I think if I was going to pick like one final thing. Because we've gone on for a while about this. Oh, really? I got tons of stuff. All right. <laughs> well, you can go with all your stuff. All right. Well, you go. Go ahead. You go. I mean, there, there's there's more things that that a lot of games miss. Like, okay. Um, 
pr- like promoting free thinking as a GM, right? Now, now they give you the hint that it's your, it's kind, it's kind of your world, but you really need to to like run it home. It's kind of in, one of the most important parts of the game of gaming in general. Um, you you should really drive home the point that rigid structured rules and tables and outcomes of of random happenings or whatever. Um, they're, they're okay to just completely change. You can change whatever you want because you bought the game, okay? You bought the game. All those rules are now yours to do whatever you want with. So make sure that that is front and center. Um, games still miss this. It needs more than a sentence. Um, also, I will say, let's to return back to the thing we've been banging on about a lot, give examples, right? Yeah, give examples of where the rules could be changed. Yes, just literally show them right in there in a in a callout box, which we have a whole separate show dedicated to the idea of like behind the curtains and boxes coming up at some point right. in the future. Um, assuming we roll it, yeah. Yes, assuming we roll if it. If the list keeps growing, we may never roll it. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. I do keep adding more every day. Um, but the uh, the idea that that you don't just tell them, hey, you can do this. Show them right there, right there, three different ways that, that a rule could change. Or you that could, rule you could, could be different, it. yeah. Yep. It could be setting dependent. It could just be simply a, a house rule that that pleases everybody at your table. Whatever. Yes. There's lots of ways to do that. Um, also, and now this this is another thing. Provide the needed rules and give guidelines. You know, for like solving problems that come up within the game that aren't covered by the rules that you you give them. Um, but don't overdo it. Okay. So when you're designing a game, re- remember to keep just keep in mind too many rules can really burden a new GM, okay? So if you're designing a game that's not for specific advanced players and whatnot, even even and even if you are, uh, really crunchy system, whatever, just keep in mind the scope of your game, okay? So like like the 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 worst the worst example of that would be the fifth edition Shadowrun thing, right? Yes. So in Shadowrun Fifth Edition they had treading water rules, which makes absolutely no sense because it's not it's neither a water game or a boat game or an underwater game or anything like that. It's a game about urban cities and and mega corporations and stuff it has nothing to do with water whatsoever um and what what is it seventh c that is that the name of the the uh, yeah, yeah seventh doesn't yeah. does not have rules for treading water right <laughs> so it's like what is going why why is this rule in this book just right. remember not to bloat your rules for no reason make sure it, it makes sense and fits that way you don't over overburden new gms and clutter them up with more stuff than they actually need okay because that's just going to slow them down again and it's going to slow their development down yep absolutely um i think i think something that's that's caught on now and is kind of a normal thing now i, I still think it's worth bringing up is providing like adventure hooks and campaign hooks in some format right some kind some kind of story hook that that like like either either list or grouped or whatever something that will will give prompts to those GMs that don't know where to start, and and that's that's simple as that, right? Yep. Unless you have anything specific to say about that, right? No, I, I agree absolutely. Because we already kind of touched on it, so yes, I'm, yeah. I'm completely on board. Um, and and finally, I would say, it, and this is this is just kind of a thing that I really liked in when I was when I was budding as a GM. Um, what I found useful um, was uh, I okay, so I, I played GURPS Cyberpunk for a little while, okay. Yes, and it was a neat game, but the best thing about it was in the back of the book it had like this page of like fictional resources that explained more about settings of that type. Okay. Yes. And had all kinds of different like like um, uh, like books and movies and magazines and comics 
um, graphic novels, like just tons of stuff, you know, like Blade Runner, whatever. That's that's the, the easiest yeah, yeah. example, but it went really obscure. It went deep into the things that were of the genre um, that could be drawn on for reference material to help you come up with new things to do because there's all this fiction out there. There's obviously going to be something for it. Now, not all games, like not all games can do that. Some things are so original that it's very, very difficult to to point at some kind of fictional fictional uh, equivalent, okay? Um, but a lot of games aren't that that much, or they they are, you know, historical in basis, and those things all have tons of great stuff to draw on. So, so think about adding a list of, of fictional resources that could help, that are outside of your game itself, um, to to help a new GM come up with ideas. And in this, in this kind of area, you could also, you know, kind of explain, like, interesting things that aren't necessarily about jamming like you know you could throw in stuff like music music to listen to while playing this kind of game oh i love that idea yeah that's Um, fantastic so so stuff like that um drew my attention and helped me a lot as a gm when i was growing up in the game in the in like the gaming world so that's the last thing i had to say about it no that's solid and it's the, the last thing you mentioned with the cyberpunk you know i think that's a direct callback to appendix n right in the original uh in the original gm's guide or players, I don't remember which one it was. And the the, the original D and D players or whatever, they had Appendix N, and it was a big list of fantasy books from the 50s, 60s, and 70s that yeah, inspired yeah. Yep. Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson when they were designing the game. And a lot of that's it's like obviously the Vancian novels and stuff like that, right? Um, and I I think that that's incredibly useful. And the thing is that dropped out so fast it disappeared. And again. Just now, in in fifth ed, it came back. If you go look in your, are new, you kidding me? No, if you go look in your fifth wow. ed GM's guide in the back, they have like they have an appendix, and it's like list of other resources, and they have books and movies and things like that. that Excellent. Are well, that okay, kind of I guess stuff. that 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 idea is already out there. That I didn't really need to go into all that detail on. Sorry, no, it's okay. No, it's my good. bad. I, hey, you're you're fine. I'm glad to see it. That's just the problem. Not everyone's doing it, but to me, and the funny thing is. The D and D game is probably the one that needs to be doing the it the least. Yeah, it yeah. Does, no, nobody <laughs> needs that. Everyone right. is everyone has seen Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or whatever. I mean, right. come on. Exactly. At this point, it's just there. It's in the zeitgeist, right? You know, but there's there's so many other niche games, like you mentioned when, with GURP Cyberpunk. When that happened, I mean, Cyberpunk really wasn't like in it the was a little more obscure. Yeah, yeah, it was a little more obscure. A lot of like '80s B movies and off the wall like actual like internet magazines at the time you know back when magazines were a thing right um and yeah and 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 a lot of uh obscure um fiction you know like like the like like gibson's neuromancer and things like that things that just weren't super popular so it was it was almost pivotal to have that kind of stuff at your fingertips and have like a list of it because you didn't have the internet to find out what was going on yep um but i still think it's necessary even in in you know today's today's world so yep so here's my final one, and I, I want to know what you think. What you think of this, and then, then yeah, we'll wrap me. this up as we're running long. I'm sorry. I apologize, uh, nah, listeners. All right. Who this, cares? This, this this episode is Travis's fault because he's tired. That's all right. We're giving him more value for the zero dollars. Yes, um, more value for your nothing. Yes. So here's my last one, and it's short, but it's simple. Anytime you can use a visualization of your information as opposed to just typing out the information, do it. So if you can represent So we're we talking infographs here? Sure. Infographs, yeah. diagrams. Anytime you can bring that in, do it. 
it doesn't they shouldn't be that expensive to produce when you're making the game right. you don't need to go get a full art resource to do it and you mean, yeah you don't you don't need a graphic designer and specifically you could probably do it yourself even if, you know if you're on a shoestring budget you could probably do it yourself exactly i i think that's exactly what we did when we when we did the visual well i'm a graphic designer so it was okay oh, fair but, enough uh, yes I, I didn't pay you anything to do it though. You were just nice enough <laughs> Indeed, to do it. I was. I did. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, when we did the visualization of our resolution mechanic in NGS, right? Because yeah, we had it right. written out, but I was like, this it is needed, way easier if you just look yeah. at it. If you look at if you look at it once, it, it sticks with you as opposed right. to reading it five times. Exactly. People Although it's still there, you, st you still need to write it. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong, you still need to write it down, but. Uh, but yeah, and it, like some some kind of visual representation will always help, especially with more complex um, rule systems. Yep. When you can, I'm not. We're not. We're not saying you need to do everything that way. But things that need it, you should be able to pick out. Yes. All right. I th I think I feel like we've really covered this one. This is good. This is yeah. Good. We killed. We 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 crushed that one a little too hard. Hard. Ah, that's so. all right. It's it's a full crushing. All right. Any other thoughts? Um. Yeah. No, I got nothing else right now. Um. I think. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much uh, undesigned. Undesigned.